Well, hello and welcome to Parallel Leaders. My name is Tim and today we're in for another episode. If I were to ask you how your organization is growing, you'd probably give me a number. And for churches, that number would be attendance. For businesses, it would probably be the bottom line or profit. We know that there are eight growth points that every organization goes through and when focusing on them, you can attain the best quality out of your organization. Today, we have another episode with Dustin Finley, who is the owner and operator of Valiant Solutions out of Calgary, Alberta. So without further ado, let's get to it. Well, welcome, Dustin, to Parallel Leaders. It's so great to have you, Dustin Finley. Uh, we've been, I don't know, we've been friends for a while, and you run a great company called uh, Valiant Solutions. Tell us a little bit about your company and, man, all the crazy stuff, because you, you guys do some crazy stuff. So tell us about what you guys do. We do. It scares a lot of people. Um, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so we do uh, exterior property services on high-rises, uh, large-scale commercial buildings in Calgary. Uh, pretty much we repel off the of high-rises and fix stuff, clean windows, uh, and then have a whole host of uh, rope access and high-angle stuff that, that we do uh, for our clients. So, yeah, that's our that's our business. So the first question you ask somebody that's applying is, are you scared of heights? That's that's. We do. Uh, we do. And we <laughs> actually, uh, we've taken a lot of people from being scared to not being scared. So it's... Uh, and a lot of most people are just by default scared of heights. So. Okay, so those who are listening who are scared of heights and want want to overcome that fear, um, Valiant Solutions. There, there we go. <laughs> it's the cure. Absolutely, yeah, we can help you out. <laughs> awesome. So we're we've had a, a number of conversations um, over the last number of months, and and in particular around systems. So this month we're we're really focused on on systems and you know again one of the eight growth points of every organization is systems systems again don't grow an organization but having uh inadequate systems definitely helps uh stop an organization from growing so let's dive right into some of the the questions that you have and about about ideas around systems and how that works uh in your business or any questions that you might have about yeah, systems for your business. Yeah, yeah, totally. I have a lot of questions about systems. <laughs> uh, <laughs> being a service company, that's pretty much all we are. We're people and systems. So I'm really excited yeah. to, to talk about it. Um, so I get my first question was, you know, when scaling an organization by like a large amount every year, like I know you guys are doing with Parallel and uh, we've seen in Valiant is just like, you know, doubling and stuff like that. My question is, what are some things to look for in your current systems and in, in creating new systems, uh, knowing that growth is coming and capacity has to be built for the future growth um, without constantly rebuilding and recreating systems? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, and, and one that I think a lot of businesses are having to deal with and, and how to do that. There's a couple of thoughts that that come to mind when, when we look at it. One of the things that, that we do is that I, I study very carefully the seasons of of growth year over year in in our organization, and when I when I see that you know for us summer is kind of a downturn uh, time for us, and I would assume with your business is probably a, a very busy time, um, but but there's a season in your year or your calendar year where your business is not going to be as busy as it would be other times of year. So you're going to have those kind of off seasons or, or down t times. And it's in those times that I focus on, uh, 
reevaluating systems. I I don't focus on reevaluating systems when when things are busy and crazy and all the rest of it because a lot of times when you're reevaluating your systems, uh, you know it it's going to cause disruption in the organization, and you don't want to do that in your in your busy times because that's going to disrupt the customer, that's going to disrupt your staff, and it's gonna it's just going to cause extra chaos. So the first suggestion is find your downtime in the season and then evaluate your systems there. Uh, in your busy times, you will, it, it'll expose your uh, faulty systems and you're gonna see that, but the natural tendency is I wanna fix that now. And and I would again suggest, you know, hold on, uh, you know, buckle up, do what you can to, to stop the bleeding, you know, you know, put the band-aids on where you need to put the band-aids on, but you're not gonna do full full on surgery in the business uh, season. Your surgery time is going to come in the down times, but in the in the busy times, it's going to reveal your. You're going to see cracks. You're going to see, um, you know, where it, it's, you know, it exposes where some of your weak links are, and so basically take take a look at that and see that. And then what I like to do is I like to take right before our downtime or right at the beginning of our downtime. I like to kind of get away with my my key leaders and and begin to ask a lot of questions about some of the systems and you know what's out there um, and what's working, what's not working. And again, systems are all about movement. So where are we seeing you know a stoppage in in movement? Are we do we have a systems problem when it comes to new customers finding us? Do we have a systems problem as far as new customer retaining new customers? And getting repeat customers, you know, are do we have assistance problems on our you know delivery of services? You know, are we not getting there in time? And we're having you know, where's our basically where's our backlog and where's things backing up a little bit? And and I think that's where um, you know you you can expose that and ask questions and evaluate and get not just your feelings or your opinions, but get the people that are on the ground working and and doing that what their what their sense of feelings are. And if you have very reliable close customers you might want to ask them hey or you know do a survey how are how are we doing how did this happen and and kind of get feedback on that and basically get an idea of where the problem you know where the problems are or where you can get better and then and then go to work on finding the solutions for uh for for that what i've you know again further to your question there's a lot in that question but um Further to your question on, you know, you know, constantly changing systems, the reality is, is there's not a one size fits all system that you'll never have to change ever, ever again. That's just a fallacy. There are systems that you can that you can maintain and tweak that you can that you can use, but there's all you're always going to be tweaking systems. There's always going to be a way to to improve on on the and you don't want to you know. Let me just take an accounting system for you. Don't want to, you know, change your accounting system wholesale, but um, and and do that every every year. That would become just it, you know chaos yeah. and not good. But you're gonna want to tweak some of those systems and saying we can do this better, we can get this report better, and all of that. But and that goes for every one of your systems. If you can find something that that is is a system that you can build on every year, that's always better. Um, but there's always going to be tweaks and changes and, and always something that you're going to have to evaluate and, 
and saying, well, we can deliver better on this. We can create more movement this way. Um, this is going to be more effective. And, and so it's, it's always wise to constantly look at that and then, and then do that with a core team because part of the reason of doing it with your core team is you'll get their eyes, but you're also going to get their mouth when, when the change uh, comes is that they're going to be part of that change and they're going to be able to um, be able to, you know, communicate that to the rest of your, your staff um, customers, you know, as to why any of those changes are, are being made. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so it's kind of like looking ahead and knowing what's coming, knowing what, uh, or trying to predict, you know, the future growth and making sure that something new is going to be able to just be um, uh, buildable, you know, and scalable. That's something that will be able to fit your needs at, you know, twice the size kind of thing. Right. And so when looking ahead, as, as far as a business, the best way to, I think foresight is one of the most valuable gifts a, a leader can have is, you know, whether that's business, church, whatever, the ability to have foresight and predict the future is going to make you, you know, it's when you, when you know what's coming, you're able to prepare for it. When you get blindsided, that's when your company gets hurt. Either, you know, that's when companies grow too fast and blow up or they don't grow fast enough and blow up is because a leader didn't have keen foresight. So I think there's, there's three ways to really develop foresight. Uh, number one, the first way to develop foresight is, is you need to be a historian. So if you can keep, you know, an accurate record of accounts in your business and saying, okay, over the last five years, we've doubled every year. Well, when I know that historically and these numbers and these trends are there, when I know historically, I can know that I, we're probably going to double again this year and I can have then foresight to be able to plan for what does that look like in the next year. Or we doubled in the first two years and it's kind of slowed down and we're we're kind of at 30% growth now. I can maybe predict that it we'd be 25% growth next year. So then I can plan for it. But I think one, a great way to develop foresight is to know your trends and, and historically understand you know, the market. I think the second way to develop foresight is to be an analyst. And in, in being an analyst, that's that's analyzing what is currently happening. That's analyzing your business. That's also analyzing the economy, you know, the, you know, competitors that that you're competing with what are they if you're seeing you know trends downturn or upturn in either you know in your in the economy or in competitors chances are if i analyze what is currently going i can be more accurate in my prediction of the future and then the third way is just to be a prophet which is you'll have a gut sense as a leader as to we're about to explode or you'll have a gut sense or yeah, we're about to, we should probably hunker down because things are getting, are going to be tight this year or whatever it might be. You'll have that gut sense. And so, and, and lean on that. You can study the, the historical facts. You can analyze the current, you know, situations, but ultimately, you know, trust your gut as a leader as well. The best leaders have this, this gut sense that this is going to be a good year or this is going to be a tough year or, or whatever. And, and I know this, the historically we've doubled and I know, you know, analyzing, you know, uh, you know, we've had a great year, but you know, I'm sensing that something's about to shift or whatever that might be. And you'll be able to then go with that as well. So I think those three in balance are, you don't want to make decisions a hundred percent on your gut without having historical facts and analyzing current trends, but you're, but you, uh, you're going to want to not ignore your gut and just go with the facts either. Yeah. 
That's really good. And it kind of leads into another question they had was, you know, in seeing this growth, um, we're pretty seasonal in what we do. Uh, so a lot of people work the season, come back for the next season. Uh, and because we're growing so quickly, uh, and I kind of do the same thing in our downtime winter, there's significant change when they come back the next year, uh, like significant black and white or like night yeah. day. And, and so what are some what are some ways that you when you roll those new systems out um, to organization wide before you've tested them in a really busy season? Uh, what are some tactics that you have that or, or any advice that you have to uh, make sure that rollout is really good, even though we know stuff's going to break and it's right. not going to be perfect as we get busy? Right. One of the things that, that I like to do is I like to roll out change uh, in layers. So that means that I, I'll roll out change with uh, my exec core team first and and make sure and test it with them and get their feedback and input in, in the change. And then for us, we'll then we'll then roll out to the next level of of staff uh, of our team. And, and and kind of do it in layers and then you roll it out and you just constantly get you know it, 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 you know when you so if you have a core team that's with you even throughout the winter seasons um, I'd get them highly involved uh, in in that rollout and and that way they can have a full understanding and grasp of it because if it's just reliant on you to train all of the people coming back, that's just that can be overwhelming and something's going to get missed. So if you if you have a core that can can help you roll that out to the next level, then that's huge. And then you get the ones that have come back and know how you think they you know they can roll out now to the the level of new employees that are brand new to the organization. Let them roll it out to to them or help help them because they'll know. Hey, this is the culture. This is what we do, and kind of and basically look at it in layers and and structure your organization in layers and going okay who do I trust most let's roll it out with them first who's who's the next layer who's the next layer and roll it out with that then what I would do for you is I would pick a time that you know a very predictable time when you know the season's about to to bump and I would do I would look at doing a like a 3 day retreat or something like that with all of your staff and come back and and basically uh, you know, get away with them or, or, ha you know, have just meetings where you're not booking any clients in that time. And just two to three days, you're, you're unveiling basically the vision, you know, you're reteaching the culture, you're, you know, how we, the culture is how we do things again, you're, and then you're going to be revealing all of your systems and saying, you know, introducing people to their teams who they're communicating with the systems that are that are going to be implemented and kind of do that as a wholesale thing. And the reason why I would do that is, is twofold. You can, you can involve the people that already know, and they're going to get a repeat, but you're also going to allow for feedback and questions. And what, I don't know how that's going to work. And what about this? And you're going to get those questions dealt with internally first before it becomes kind of scale, you know, out there in, in public where, you know, they start questioning stuff in the middle of a job, maybe in front of a customer that's not you want that to happen those questions and those pushbacks to happen with you in a in a controlled setting rather than than in, you know when it gets into the chaos of busyness yeah no that's awesome um yeah, it kind of looks like a three-day training session like the way that we typically do is like a three-day uh off the tools low stress training system and yeah. uh 
but inevitably, inevitably, uh, stuff's break. Stuff's gonna break for sure. As as you know, it kind of scales, and at scale by definition, just kind of breaks stuff. Um, how do you how do you bring people on board um, that are in, implementing the, and doing these systems and running these systems, knowing that they're going to break, and trying to get them to have grace for the fact that things are not going to be perfect, and try and help throughout the process. Yeah, I would, I would, you know, I'd be forthright with that right away in the training and going, hey, this is, you know, none of these systems are going to be perfect. We're working these out. Um, but we, I would, again, in the casting of the vision, uh, in order to cast effective vision, you need to go, this system is going to solve this problem. So to, to cast vision properly, um, you have to be able to define the problem that this new system is going to solve and get them get them really anchored in in you know and passionate about this system is solving that problem very clear on what problem this system is going to solve and and then saying you know and this is the solution this is the best solution and that we're a solutions minded organization we know that no system is ever going to be perfect that there's going to be things but we we invite your feedback and your your you weighing in and your ideas uh, in this and where if they can take ownership of the system and they're passionate because this is the problem it's solving, you know, they know the solution, but if they can also be passionate about, Hey, we're part of the solution and we can be part of the solution of making this better. And, and, you know, Dustin's going to hear us and we're going to be able to solve these things together. They will more become more proactive, I think, in solving the systems with you rather than, than, complaining to you <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding that's awesome so is, um so going into that the like so whose job is it as as an organization gets better uh whose job is it to build and maintain systems um you know like as as, as we start to add more layers and, and stuff like that i i can't keep up with the number of systems that need to be built and but especially maintained with all the technology we get used so how do you how do you manage all of that man that is a very very loaded question a great question um i think a lot of leaders are asking that question i i think one thing that that um that really helped me and and because i've had that same question multiple times is you get to a place and and that the organization outgrows you as the leader. Like you get to, as a leader, you're going to grow an organization, but then there's, there's, there's this, this tipping point, I think where the organization, you know, you can manage and you can lead and you're, you're, you know, entrepreneurial. So you're, you started this and this is your baby and you're doing it, but you get to this tipping point where it's more than just Dustin's business. Now that this is Valiant Solutions. This is a, a company that's much bigger than just, what you're able to manage on your own and and you have to decide at that point and i've heard this years ago and it's so true that you'll make money as a small business and you'll make money as a large business it's the medium businesses that that don't make money and that where confusion happens and if you have the guts to be able to kind of plow through the medium stage and know that hey this is the medium stage because a lot of businesses will will either say okay we're just gonna we're gonna go back down to where we were making money when it was just you know me and a small team doing it and we're gonna keep it small and we're just gonna do that and that's okay there's businesses that do that's okay 
And there's other ones who are going, we're going to go large and they're going to plow through the medium stage and, and just go all out large. And sometimes that works, not often that that works. But to me, there's is identifying the stages that your business are in and knowing, okay, the hardest time to make money is in this this season over the next two to three years of being this medium-sized business. And one of the tipping points that that has to happen is it is in who the, the staff in which you hire are going to be there. And I would recommend if you're in that, you know, it sounds like you're in that tension right now. I would recommend looking at hiring uh, an integrator or, or a, a manager that who's responsible for um, the, the integration of the systems that they're basically the detail person. You can be the visionary, the owner, the handling, the big, uh, conversations and the big clients and all the rest of it, but somebody that's going to be working on the details that frees you up to expand the business and, and do what you do best and then have somebody that's kind of being that management systems person. And a great book for that kind of defines on who that should be is uh, Rocket Fuel by uh, Gene Wickman and Gina Wickman. And it's a, fa- a fantastic book on defining that the visionary is usually the entrepreneur, the founder, the starter, um, they have a certain gift set. And then there's the integrator that has a different gift set. And so if you're able to find that integrator that can, their specialty, they love developing systems. And then they also love executing on those systems. And that's, it's one thing to develop a system, but the execution of that is, is the next step, right? So they love and follow through in that. So, um, you know, I would recommend, you know, reading that book and identifying your strengths as a, as a leader, are you visionary, which knowing, you know, I, I know you and I know that's you, you're definitely a visionary entrepreneurial that if you get to the size we're saying, it's going to cost me money right now that I don't know that I can afford, but if I hire this integrator, it's going to free me up as a visionary to then to then expand the business that much more while I know somebody's taking care of this. Or I can keep it small and I'll work the systems, but we're only gonna be we're not gonna be able to expand like we we would if we didn't take this leap. So it's it's one of those, and there's not really a right and wrong. It's just it's a tension that you're gonna have to say, again, being that prophet of the future, if we do this, we can go to the next level. Yeah, you totally read my mail with that one for sure. We're totally in that tension between like going through the easier years where we're smaller and we're kind of pushing through that at the moment. And uh, I give everyone that integrator, visionary integrator test. And I actually found one of my my operations managers, very high integrator. So he's uh, in the right position and um, kind of identified where I'd probably be driving him crazy all these years. So Perfect. Uh, put some language to it. Um, well, but yeah, the book no, does a great job of, of of talking through the relationship between a visionary and integrator. There's always going to be tension between the visionary and the integrator, but the, it gives really wise advice on how to kind of you know have you know same page meetings on a monthly basis, for instance, um, where that's taking a day with just you and and him and. Uh, and getting making sure that he's on the same page and you're on the same page with him and, and what's going on. Uh, these are, yeah, invaluable suggestions in the book that I think are are very, very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. 
And uh, so, so then that to that question is one of the other ones I had was how do you ensure systems are being used properly, hold people accountable, especially if there's a large number of people using them. And I, it, I guess that the, having that integrator would would be that person who kind of leads, manage, holds people accountable well um, to using the systems. And um, is that is that kind of how it works for you guys? Yeah, so you want to have that. I mean, everyone's accountability is going to be on on multiple levels, right? And, and but you want to make sure that everybody uh, in you know in your organization is being held accountable. So accountability doesn't mean just getting into trouble when things are going wrong. Accountability accountability means are we rewarding those who are who are, who are winning? Right, that's accountability because what you celebrate is going to get repeated. So are we rewarding those who are winning? Are we challenging the mediocre in our organization? That's accountability. Um, yeah. And then are we are we correcting the you know the the problems? And is there clear correction on what those problems are? And and those clear. And so you want to make sure that throughout the organization that there is accountability because there's there's not accountability. There's going to be uh, a lot of drift from culture. There's going to be a lot of drift in practices, and then you know it's it, inevitably what you tolerate is is going to become your standard, and that's going to be that's going to be determined. That so you it's vital, you know, if in a small organization that you know if it's just you that you're holding yourself accountable for winning mediocrity. Like, and but if you've got a small team that they're held accountable, if you've got a large team now, you have to find that there's got to be layers of accountability that the person on the bottom of the totem pole is being held as accountable as much as the person at the top. And yeah. so you, you want you definitely want to make sure that there's clarity on what that that accountability looks like. And for you, like if, if you're at the end of every season, if there's staff that are, you know, they're they're only working for you for a season at the end of that season, I would have a, you know, one-on-one -on -one meeting with them and, and, and then get solicit their feedback on the systems and on the company and on the culture, but at yeah. the same time, give them feedback on their job and, and make it clear to them, you know, that you want them back or that, you know, or thank them for their service and, and for the season. And, yeah. and um, we will, won't be hiring you in, in the fall or in the, you know, next, next season. So that yeah. whatever that might be, but yeah, I, I would do those, whether that meeting is with you or with the integrator or, but basically they're each person is having some sort of um, review period with their direct report. Yeah. So then I suppose you need a system around collecting or defining what, what winning is and what mediocrity is and what failure is. And then, and then a system of of knowing who is and who isn't, um, uh, you know. So how how do you guys how do you guys do that? Um, knowing who's winning and who's not is it just kind of a results? Uh, you know, you have some KPIs that you track for each person, and you hold them accountable to that. Or how does it work for you guys? Yeah, you want to you want to be able to very clearly define your wins, and I, I think that's that's vital. So. You know, set certain goals, have certain, have a dashboard. So basically in sports, I'm a sports guy. So I love, I get to coach, I coach football and I love sports because sports gives me a constant scoreboard, right? So, you know, in a season, I have a win and loss scoreboard. So I know whether our team is good or not in the middle of a game. I have a scoreboard. I know whether we're, we're winning or not at any given time. 
So when it comes back to the corporate world and to the church world, uh, you know, I'm, uh, sometimes I'm going, well, are we winning? Are we not winning? Did, you know, what's our scoreboard? So if you, the more clearly you can define your scoreboards, your wins for each department, uh, for each individual, and if you give them that, you know, that scoreboard, that dashboard, um, and make sure that that's crystal clear for them, then the, it, then they will, basically they will evaluate themselves. The clearer that is, the easier it is for them to evaluate themselves in that. So when they have that conversation with you, you know, they're not going to be, they're going to know, yeah, I, you know, I should be fired because I've had a losing record for the last two years and I, yeah, I, I saw that coming or, yeah. or, you know, I've been winning and, I know I should be getting rewarded and I deserve that reward or I deserve that next opportunity, that promotion, What? because I've, you know, I've been winning. I've been doing what that is. So I, again, I, I, a great book. I don't know if I'm sure you've read it, but um, if not, a great book on how to work all this is The Four Disciplines of Execution is a fantastic book because it talks about, you know, accountability, defining how to, how to mm-hmm. work that, but then also how to develop a scoreboard or a dashboard that that your departments your your you have one for your your entire company one for your departments and then one for uh, each individual and then um, that that makes it crystal clear. Okay, so then it's just a matter of having a you know one on ones or whatever you want to call them to hold tension as you go through a year um, to hold tension to results that you know on a weekly basis we're we're tracking towards the goals and that's awesome. Yeah. When I, I do meetings with our, our, my direct reports on a weekly basis where, where we go through our dashboard. So we, you know, we have, I believe it's 10 measurements that we evaluate whether we're winning or losing as an organization. And we review them every single week and just go through and saying, Hey, this week um, we're on track in this one and this one, we're a little bit behind here. So how, what are we going to do to address that? So that there's not this big, massive course correction, you know, in a year over a year that we can make, we can catch something not working before it becomes a big problem or we right. can celebrate something that is repeat something that is working, you know, without having to, to miss it because we were too late. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I really like that. It's just so, like black and white, someone knows where they're at and how they're doing and and defining it. it's not I think it's sometimes easier said than done to figure out what that that number should be or how black and white, but I uh I, I really like that. So And those weekly um, meetings don't have to be like crazy long, but and you're going, we can't afford it. it's a busy season, we can't afford to have that meeting. We know we don't have time getting everybody together. It's like it's invaluable. That meeting will save time the rest of the you know, the rest of the week and going, it, it, it feels like we can't afford it. But truth is now I, I feel like I can't afford not to. So when you have all these, all these numbers or, or like, uh, I think it's rocket fuel or traction talks about rocks that people have. Um, that's just basically their thing they carry and their, uh, what they're responsible for. <clears throat> and do you find that it, uh, just almost peer pressure holds everyone accountable, um, to making sure they those rocks are getting done and you have that meeting uh, all together on a weekly basis or do you do individually? We do both, but we do like, yeah, we do a weekly meeting and everyone's like when we, the rocks that we're talking about, for those who might not be familiar with traction, 
another great book by Gina Wickman, um, is he talks about rocks as being if the analogy he used is if you had an empty jar and you had a pile of sand and you had water and you had, uh, I think it was gravel and then big rocks, the order in which you put them in is going to determine whether you're going to fit them all in within that jar. And so if you start with the sand and, you know, or start with the water and then add the sand and all the rest of it, like you'll never be able to fit them all in there. But if you start with the big rocks um, and then, you know, you put in the, you know, the, the sand and then you put in the water, everything will, would fit. And so what he's saying is that, you know, the sand is your everyday daily task, you know, mundane answering emails kind of thing. The rocks are your goals that you want to accomplish in the next, you know, the big, you know, audacious goal that you want to accomplish as an individual, as an organization in the next three months, next year, next five years. And then you determine those rocks. So when we have our team, we, every three months, we'll get together with our team and we determine the rocks individually, uh, departmentally, organizationally, we'll determine the rocks that we want to focus on, that we want to accomplish in the next three months. And everyone kind of states in their, in the team meeting, they state what their rocks, what their goal is in their job over the next um, three months. And that's made public. And there's three to five for each one. And then on a weekly basis, we go through our dashboard, but then we also have where they report on, yeah, I'm on track. Uh, no, I'm not on track on this one uh, to be able to accomplish that goal. And at the end of three months, they'll say, I got it done or I didn't get it done. And there is a, a bit of accountability for all of us when we, when we do that. I mean, I do that publicly with them as well. And when you have to say, eh, I didn't get that done this, you know, this, this quarter, then uh, there's a, there's a bit of an internal accountability for sure that, you know, if, if you have somebody that's never getting anything done over a period of time, it becomes pretty evident to the entire team yeah. who's not <clears throat> carrying the weight. Right? So, um, you know, so it, yeah, there's definitely a, in a peer it accountability that happens with that system as well. Yeah. No kidding. Well, that kind of leads into my, just quickly, my last question is, you know, I, I've been taught taking courses, everything like that on block scheduling, uh, prioritizing items, setting goals, uh, doing all this stuff to just try and make sure I'm, I'm effective as a leader and, and person. Um, however, executing my block schedule and all of that is 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 not the easiest. It's easier said than done. So I'm wondering if you have any like advice systems that you use that would uh, that would help uh, my mindset in, in executing my block schedule and uh, what I have to do and the rocks I carry. Right. Yeah. And there, there's times where I'll put, I'll put everything into my, my calendar, um, that I have tasks to do or I use iCal, um, or Google Cal one, either one of them kind of use, allows me to color coordinate, um, my calendar. So I'll have certain tasks or certain goals that I will, I will assign a color to and I put it on my calendar and I'll make sure in a weekly basis that that, you know, if I set a priority that that's somewhere I've got time in my week to to put that into my calendar. And I will at the beginning of every week you know, on a Sunday night or early Monday morning, I'll kind of review my calendar ahead and making sure that I've got block time or time available. The truth is with our calendars, especially as leaders, is that we can we can design our calendars or they're going to be filled in for us, right? Somebody else is going to design them for us. And so I like to, at the beginning of the week, 
design my calendar and and block out some stuff that I need to make a priority on. And then to to help me with accountability to not break the and fill in all the with meetings or whatever. I I share my calendar with my wife has access to my calendar. Um, I have my assistant has access to my calendar. I actually have members of my exec team that have access to my calendar. They see what's on my calendar. And if something is, is drifting or whatever, one of them is going to ask. And there's a bit of an accountability in that. It's like, even those that report to me, there's like, if I have to say, yeah, yeah I haven't, I'm no, I, yeah, I got busy this week. There's a part of it's like, Oh, they're right. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so that, that kind of helps. That kind of helps me as well. The other thing that I do that really helps with this is I actually uh, have learned that if I, if I do a, I call them think weeks, but I take a, a time in in each quarter where I actually leave the office or go away and work on the business or work on the organization and think on the organization rather than just working in it. So I find by doing it quarterly for me, it stops the 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 landslide of things getting out of control, getting too much into routine, too busy, too like everything just begins to spiral. I found that that every quarter it kind of does a reset for me, where I can be able to to refocus on what my goals should be, you know, to, that's going to benefit the business the best, and then then I can begin to put the execution of that as is put that into my calendar, have some accountabilities or checks and balances in that. So. Uh, as to what's going on. And then when you get an integrator in there, the integrator is basically uh, the first person that's holding you accountable on awesome. this needs to get done. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I really appreciate uh, all the answers to these questions. It's been, uh, it's just been awesome. So thank you so much. Um, yeah. Well, excited for you and your business and, and what's, uh, what's happening in the, in the future. And I just want to clarify that when you say the systems break, that's none of the ropes, that's none of the harnesses that, no. that <clears throat> those systems don't break. That's, that's good. Uh, certainly know. not. Yeah. We've got systems to make sure that doesn't happen. So <laughs> <we're good. laughs> That's awesome. Well, appreciate you, Dustin. Thanks so much for your time. And man, this has been a great conversation. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you. What a fantastic conversation with Dustin. I don't know if you were taking notes, but one of the biggest things I took away from that was the three things that we need to be in this season in order to foreshadow what might be coming down the road for our businesses. Number one, we need to be a historian and we need to look at the trends that were happening. Second, we need to be an analyst and be very aware of what is happening in today's culture. And then third, develop a prophetic instinct and use your gut instinct to get an idea for where things might be going. Such great advice. Parallel Leaders is here to equip you as an organization as well. And if you'd ever like to be on the podcast or be a part of the conversation, message us directly and we'd love to get in contact with you. Thank you for listening to the Parallel Leaders podcast. If you found this content helpful, go to parallelleaders.com leaders and let us know the things that have been keeping you up at night about your organization. And maybe we could bring you into the conversation as well. Share and subscribe if you found this content helpful so that you never miss an episode. And we will see you next time on Parallel Leaders Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Parallel Leaders, where we help you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or growth department under the microscope of eight growth points to optimize your effectiveness as a leader.